The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. thoughts that go through your head during that run as well i mean it's why am i here yeah I, i'm quitting so many deal. of my friends are in a fraternity i could be going and hanging out with them right now like this is miserable that's content for you right there someday we'll sounds go like we'll that, that sounds like summer content is what that's I'm right hearing. one of these days we'll go out to a, we'll go out somewhere and uh, you know my hope is like an ideal world we would get to go through like an actual workout with like coach souders or like an assistant strength coach just to really test us even though that would probably end in our own death um, which I don't think Louisville would be too appreciative of. But anyways, for the content, I think it might be worth it. I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm 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 cringing just thinking that. about I think that. <laughs> I think I think I could do a Coach Sauter's workout. I would love to do one of those. See what yeah. see what that's about. Boy, you're gonna have that ACL screaming at you. Oh, it'd be miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, first of all, it's, it's when the lights come on, the priests come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. Welcome back for another episode of From the Pink Seats podcast. Jacob Lane, Matt McGavick, Vincent Lococo, the gang is all here. We're back home for a little family reunion this evening. But nonetheless, you get all three of us tonight. That's a good bargain for you. Thank you for tuning in to From the Pink Seats podcast. If this is your first time listening, the only Louisville football-specific podcast in the city of Louisville covering all things Louisville Cardinals. Uh, Again, I mentioned Matt McGavick of Sports Illustrated, Vincent Lococo, former Louisville football player and student assistant under the Scott Satterfield regime. Now we're here talking Louisville Cardinals. We've had a busy couple of weeks. Scott Satterfield, Eric Wood, uh, Coach Nick Cardwell. We had Chris Morgan on last week. But this, this week what you're getting is just a little bit of a recap of everything that's happened for Louisville football over the last month, spring football, some transfer news, some recruiting stuff. We're going to sprinkle a little bit of it in here tonight, but we've got all kinds of things. So let's just go ahead and open up the floodgates here. Matt McGavick, no sports to cover tonight. So you're gracious to bless us with your presence. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm I'm surprised that there's no sports to cover tonight, even though it's midway through April, there's still something that's pulling me away. Now we're starting to get to the part of the football calendar where it's a real off season. Like now it's, it's going to uh, transition into summer workouts. There's, Going to be a big summer official visit for recruits, but that's not until June. So now, now I know I don't want to say we've reached the dog days of summer yet, considering it's April, but it's getting there. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there soon enough, but let's not wish that upon ourselves and bring that any quicker than we need here. Vincent LaCoco, welcome into the show, buddy. How you doing? I'm great, Jacob. I'm getting a kick out of what Matt said, because it reminds me back of whenever we were playing ball. It always be at this time of the year, you're like, man, just make it to May. Because May is the big month-long break for the guys, and then summer workouts is, you know, summer workouts. But uh, I'm, I'm getting a kick out of Matt over here, kind of looking forward to the same, same little break. Speaking of summer workouts, yep. speaking of summer workouts, we had a little bit of a discussion between the three of us in our, in our From the Pink Seats podcast chat where, Vince, you kind of hinted at potentially challenging us into some of the former workouts uh, that you did once, uh, in, once upon a time in your day. I'm just asking you, just who do you think makes it through that more likely, me or Matt? Well, ooh, it depends on the workout. If if we do the one that we sent, that I sent in the group message, that if there's any former players listening, I'm talking about the card run or the Patriot run, as Coach Madej liked to call it. Uh, just for a reference, it was uh, three sets of 700 yards and under three minutes with two minutes of rest time. Uh for the skill players, which is what Jacob would be having to do, Matt would have the power, which would be uh, three <laughs> sets of 410 yards <laughs> in two minutes with a uh, two-minute rest time. So I, I feel, I don't know, just looking at it actually now, I feel a little bit better about Matt just because <laughs> such a 
I remember no. seeing stars during that workout. That's all I'm saying. I, I mean, Vince, no Vince if you're seeing stars, I yeah, same here, Jacob. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm throwing up. There's there's no. Whew, I get like soup anytime I have to do like extended cardio. I get lightheaded. Start seeing like you know things go a little bit in and out, and then all of a sudden it's like I'm gonna throw up. I'm gonna throw up. I'm gonna throw up. I'm gonna throw up, <laughs> and I just gotta stop. So. I, I, I think I could do it, but it just might take me longer than two minutes, which but, it, don't you yeah, have to start so, over if you don't make it in two minutes? Isn't that how it goes? Isn't that how most coaches do things? I can't remember the punishment for it because, I mean, I always made the time and I would just be so gassed at the end that I just didn't care if you didn't make it. Like, you would just be so dead. There'd be guys just littered across the locker room floor like somebody just came in there and wrecked everybody. It, it was kind of the thoughts that go through your head during that run as well. I mean, it's why am I here? Yeah, I, I'm quitting. So many deal. of my friends are in a fraternity. I could be going and hanging out with them right now. Like, this is miserable. You know what? That sounds like it's riveting. That's content for you right there. Someday we'll sounds go out, like we'll do that, that sounds like summer content is what that's I'm right. <laughs> One of these days we'll go out to a, we'll go out somewhere. And, uh, you know, my hope is like ideally in an ideal world, we would get to go through like an actual workout with like coach Souders or like an assistant strength coach just to really test us, even though that would probably end in our own death, um, which I don't think Louisville would be too appreciative of. But anyways, for the content, I think it might be worth it. I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm I'm. I'm cringing just thinking that. about I think that. <laughs> I think I think I could do a Coach Souders workout. I would love to do one of those. See yeah. what see what that's about. Boy, you're gonna have that ACL screaming at you. Oh, it'd be miserable. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Need to wind I don't squat here. anymore, Coach. I don't squat anymore. We got to make sure it's an upper body day. <laughs> Man, yeah, that's me. I skip leg day every time. How many times a week do I do leg day? Zero. Always on arm day. Never leg day. But let me tell you this. Let's tra- let's transition a little bit here into actually talking about guys who play football on the field. Uh, unlike any of us three right now, I know Vince. Some at one point you did, but right now you're just like us, and the fact that you don't play football um there's a there, there's a little bit of of excitement around the offseason because there's what's you know there, there's the the hope and prosperity of tomorrow being brighter than it was the day before and everybody is um a national champion in their own right they're they're ready to go 12 and 0 every fan base has a reason for why their program their quarterback their running back their number one pick whatever the case is um is going to be the best um, so let me preface that by saying, do you guys know what season we've just entered? Do you know what season it is officially around these parts? Uh, well, I'm talking about the weather because there's a lot of seasons going on right now. No, we're not talking about the weather and we're not talking about Dano seasoning. We're talking about list seasons. Okay. List season is a, let me define this for you. It's a particular time in the off season where people who are bored and have no, no other things to do in their life, create lists for people to argue about in their uh, mentions without them ever having any desire to respond back, simply just putting out content to so make people mad. It's evergreen content season is what you're trying to tell me. That's right. We call it list season because every day there's a new list for something. The, the top five receivers coming back, the best transfers, the number the number of dope, or whatever the case is. There's a list for everything in the offseason. It's what the offseason has been built on for a long time. But damn it, I'm pissed off because I'm tired of the disrespect. We can't get no R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Can't get none of it around here. Uh, for our guy Malik Cunningham, and I, I just have a bone to pick. Um, and that bone to pick is with Alex Anstead. He covers college football, I believe, for the Saturday Blitz, part of the fan side of network. Put out a list of his top quarterbacks in the ACC next year. And I, I, it made its way around social media today. And, and I'm just a little frustrated at what Malik Cunningham has to do to get some love. Uh, to the point that there is a guy who is transferring in from another program who didn't even have a, 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 any type of season to ride home about, and he's ranked higher. We got a former basketball star's little brother on the list. I mean, what does Malik Cunningham have to do to get some love, guys? Well, what does he have to do? I don't understand. He's seventh and the best uh, for Alex's rankings behind Sam Hartman of Wake, uh, Tyler Van Dyke of Miami, uh, which I don't think anybody's going to argue about those two, right? But then yeah, the, it's no. Devin Leary. Uh, I'll put an argument for Sam Hartman. I don't uh, – we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll into get the numbers to, in a We'll second. get to I've that debate, some, yeah. I've got some numbers. I came with receipts, okay? I've got facts here, not, not hypotheticals, <laughs> okay? Uh, Devin Leary of NC State, Brendan Armstrong, uh, Drake May. Welcome to the ACC, Drake May. I bet about uh, half of our listening base here, our audience probably just asked themselves, who's He's, that? Who's he, he play has, for? Ooh, when I Googled his stats – he has a very Christian Leitner-esque face where it's just not the face that somebody can cheer for outside of being a fan of that school. 
Yeah, yeah. Jake, like, Jacob, Jacob sent me that list, and I saw I saw May, and I'm like, who, who, who TF is May? Is is what I had sent you? But I, I look at that, and I'm think, thinking, surely it's not Luke May's brother. And sure enough, it's Luke May's brother. He's got a I face never, that I just want to put my 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 fist in his pie hole. I just there's something about your face. I can't I can't tell you what it is, and there's nothing you can do to change it. But I just got to stick my my fist in your pie hole. Hoping somebody got that reference. Then you've got Slovis, whose first name I'm not even sure I know his first name. Caden, maybe? Caden Slovis. Caden Slovis, okay, who's a transfer from USC, who, if I'm not mistaken, was he not beat out at some point last year for that <laughs> job out, out uh, in USC? And I know Lincoln Riley came into town, but I'm pretty sure he didn't spend all of last season as a starter. And if he did, USC was pretty average, right? I mean, they're not they, – anyways, I think I'm just piling on him because I feel, I feel bad for Malik Cunningham being behind him at seven. And then you have Jordan Travis, Phil Jerkovic, which that's a whole nother conversation. I think Jerkovic could be in the top three or four if you want to have yes. uh, a real conversation about quarterbacks here. And then you've got DJ, Uigalele, uh, Jeff Sims. Uigalele. Uh, some uh, quarterback from uh, Virginia Tech who I don't know, Wells. Um, and then you've got Garrett Schrader um, and then uh, Leonard from Duke. I don't even need to do any research. Just Leonard. I, okay. Just I don't know who this Leonard kid is from Duke, but just I, don't, I know zero about him, but I would put him above Schrader based on what I saw in that Louisville Syracuse game. Schrader's not yeah. good. Yeah. Terrible. Didn't he? Wasn't he Mississippi State's quarterback in the ball game? Uh, was that in 2019, Vince? Isn't yeah. that who played quarterback? He was he was the one that had to start because didn't someone get his, his uh, lights knocked out? Yeah, their starting quarterback got punched in the face by his own teammate. That was uh, that was fun for Coach Brown to change his game prep on a Monday of Bowl Week. <laughs> what well, what a story! Like I just you're sitting there, you're doing your prep. Somebody comes in, hey coach, uh, we got a problem. He's like, what's up, man? Uh, starting quarterback's out. Oh, for real? What's like an injury? Nah, man. Uh, linebacker knocked him out. <laughs> just like, what uh, but but Malik Cunningham at seven realistically I don't see a scenario in which he's the seventh best quarterback in in the conference okay I, I understand North Carolina's had it rolling Sam Howell was really good um, and I understand that Kenny Pickett is going to probably be a first rounder um, that that uh, uh, Pat Narduzzi has it going up there that they've really kind of had a turnaround here but I don't think in this situation, and I'll, I'll open it up for discussion here, that just because their programs may be better off right now than Louisville's, that they those guys should get the benefit of the doubt over a guy who uh, rushed for over 1,000 yards last year, the only quarterback in the ACC to do that. One of the only quarterbacks, maybe the only quarterback in the country to do that last year, was in the top five in passing yards, was in the top five in touchdowns, uh, was in the uh, – of the guys that are on this list was fifth in total interceptions. Um, and what's hurting him, in my opinion, is the fact that he only has had six wins last year. What are your all's opinions on Malik Cunningham in this list that nobody cares about but us, but here we are talking about it? I mean, I, I don't think that Cunningham is probably at the very tip top of this list. But like I said, I know Sam Hartman, I know you you don't really think too highly of him, Vince. At least I don't think that's what you're trying to get at. No, but uh, and Devin Leary's good. Honestly, looking at this list, my one of my bigger quarrels was that Brennan Armstrong was number four because I mean I know he had a lot of weapons at receiver, but I think he could honestly make a case for number one. I would probably put Sam Hartman at number one. I'm not going to argue that one too much, but honestly, I would put Brennan Armstrong at number two. Tyler Van Dyke. I mean, he had a great second half of the year for Miami. Yeah. I but mean, dude, I mean, his stats are almost better than Malik's, and he played in almost half as many games. I mean, it's yeah. crazy. But I don't know if I would put him at number two. I would put him absolutely in the top half. There's no question. But at number two, I'm not ready to go that far. I would probably go Hartman, Armstrong. I don't know if I like Devin Leary at number three because he's he's one of those ACC quarterbacks where he's good, but he's not good enough to be like mentioned in the top like three guys in the ACC because there's always some guy who has like NFL talent who's stealing all the headlines. It's it's kind of the same uh, position that Malik Cunningham found himself in. Luke May at number five. Spoiler, like, get the fuck out of here with that. Like, yeah. I, I will say, I know you were kind of poo pooing on Kanan Slovis, but I mean, I just did some quick searching and he's number seven all time in USC passing history. So, I mean, he's he's no scrub. So, I have I have no problem with him, like, kind of being neck and neck with Cunningham. I, I, so just 
at first I saw that and I'm like, seven seems a little bit low. But now when I'm kind of looking at it and breaking down a lot of the stats and seeing some of the stats in front of me, I would put him in like the top of the like the middle third. Okay. Okay. That's a good explanation. I, I know. So I would put like Hartman, Leary, Armstrong, Slovis, probably Leary, and then Cunningham. So me, I know. Good. I was gonna say that's fine. I like that you're you're doing your journalist thing here. You're backing up your stuff with data. I'm just spitting, you know, what I remember <laughs> off the top of the head here. And I haven't but, even gotten to Phil Jerkovich, who I'm extremely high on. I I think he's got very much ACC Player of the Year potential. You got a crush on Jerkovich. I learned that. Bro, he's, I learned he's that the really BC good. real Dude. quick. <laughs> yeah, and Jeff Halfley. He's really I've got good. A, I've got a coaching crush on Jeff Halfley. That man. That man can coach some football. But you're right. You can coach some football. <laughs> they would have been a lot better last year. I mean, they could have probably won the the. I think they would have competed for the ACC title last year. Jerkovich not gotten hurt. Straight up, they they were really good up until the point when he went down with an injury, which I, I believe was like week four. So I mean, yeah, early small sample size. But uh, but what I was going to say about Malik and Vince, I, I'll pass it to you on this one, and then let's move on off of this topic. But if we're out, if we're out in the field, right, and we're just playing a game of pickup football, and I need a quarterback. And I'm looking at these guys lined up uh, and, and obviously I, I would hope to have some ability to have seen some film or at least know like what they do, but I'm taking Malik number one, because none of them can do what he can do. None of them are as explosive. I, look, I understand. I might be a biased answer, but I'm telling you, you give Malik four more wins over the last two years. And Malik is being talked about as one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the ACC. That is all the difference. And Eric Wood said the same thing when we talked about him kind of in the grand scheme of things, that one thing that's keeping Malik right now from being at the top of any list is the fact that his team just doesn't win a lot of football games. So how I look at this list is kind of the same way I looked at Lamar every year. It's is the other team going to be winning more games with Malik Cunningham as their starting quarterback? And the answer for, you know, you could argue Wake Forest, Matt. I just do not like Sam Hartman, but I don't like – I just don't like – I don't like the offense. I didn't like him in QB1. I don't like anything about Wake Forest. I, I don't know. I don't like – I just don't I know. Like the, the, the claw offense is, is maddening. I, I get that. Yeah, but, I mean yeah. – I'll give him I'll give him his – I'll give him his respect. He, he Yes, he's at the top of that list. But, I mean, Miami, I guarantee Miami probably wins more games with Malik Cunningham as their starting quarterback. Same with NC State. Virginia, I don't know. I mean, it's not, they, look, they have Tony Elliott, right? And, and that is his first name's Tony, it's, I'm pretty sure. It's just, um, it's just whenever you have a guy like Malik who can run and you, you read these rushing stats, Jordan Travis had 1,357 over the course of his career. Malik had 1,000. And 34 last season. And the next person on that list is Sims for his career again with 864. Like Malik just adds a completely different dynamic to the football game. That That's what I'm saying. None of these other guys bring. And I right. think all these other teams win more games with Malik Cunningham at their starting quarterback. Just think about what Lamar would have done if he was on Clemson's offense instead of Deshaun Watson. Like, You'd be talking about that as being one of the greatest college football teams. There wouldn't be the debate. That's fair. Know? And I could ask the question to Matt. If if Malik Cunningham was the starting quarterback for Clemson last season instead of do, uh, DJ, do they or do they not probably end up back in the college football playoff? That's, yes. a, that's 100, a legitimate 100%, point. 100%. 100% they, they do. They might. But then again, that Clemson offensive line was terrible. That's that's true. I'll and give you that. what, and, but what what's what can Malik do? Malik gets out of the pocket. He runs from pressure. He, he I mean, that would almost fit Malik Cunningham. I'm not going to say perfect because he needs a good he needs good protection to throw a deep ball. We've obviously seen that over the course of the past couple of years. Yeah, but you, there's no arguing arguing that Malik on the run throws a better football than DJ. Yeah, and, and last year, to, to just kind of credit just some of the statistics here, I mean, uh, Malik did only throw 19 touchdowns, which is kind of crazy when you look at Hartman throwing 39, Leary throwing 35, Armstrong 31. Van Dyke played, like I said, half as many games, and he threw more, uh, maybe even more less than that, uh, and threw 25 touchdowns compared to Cunningham. So there is that element of it. There's just not the kind of eye-gaudy numbers in the throwing game. Um, but what people often will overlook is that Sam Hartman also threw 14 interceptions and led the ACC last year in picks. Uh, you know, Malik's gotten chastised when he's thrown 12 picks. You know what I'm saying? So 
Uh, I, I don't know. I just feel like this list is a little bit biased, which every list is for whatever reason. And I don't know what the bias is for this fellow, but I'm just going to call it bias because I think he should be, it should be higher on the list. So let's move on next time. Actually, b- before Go we move ahead. on, who, who let's discuss who's who the worst quarterback in the ACC is just briefly. Who, who do you guys think? Is, I, and why I, is it Garrett Schrader? It's Garrett Schrader because Syracuse is terrible and Garrett Schrader is a quarterback. Sorry, Garrett. <laughs> Sorry, Garrett. Sorry, Garrett. I know not not to completely shit on the poor kid, but I mean, I I don't think I've ever seen a Division One quarterback not be able to throw the ball more than 10, 15 yards down the field. Oh, then you didn't watch much of Justin Burke back in the day. You remember Justin Burke and Adam Froman when they they were splitting duties at quarterback for Steve Cragthorpe. Justin Burke threw a noodle every time that ball came out of his hand, man. I mean, it was crazy how bad his arm was. You just unlocked a memory for me. <laughs> and I'm I remember, gonna, okay, here's I'm a recant my stuff about Schrader. That's and what 2018 that did to you all. You all only remember 2018 and just forgot all the bad stuff with Crackthorpe and that's pretty that, Charlie. You know, that's facts. That's facts. That very that's true. true. Let's let's I guess we could just kind of move on into the next part of the show here, which isn't <laughs> any better. I mean, I talk about being pissed off. I, I don't I can't blame anybody that transfers um, because that's what they're able to do now. That's what that's the name of the game. Uh, but obviously, if you're listening to this, unless you've been living under a rock, you are well aware that Louisville's uh, likely number one receiver and their number one returning wide receiver. Tyler Harrell has entered the transfer portal following by all accounts what was a, a very very nice spring multiple people including you know all three of us as we kind of uh, recollected of uh, the spring game noticed he looked much bigger looked stronger looked even you know somehow faster looked much more prepared to take on that role of number one receiver um, and it's a real real um, living sample I guess or living a testament of what the transfer portal has become uh, and I tweeted this after um, Harold transferred until the day a game is played. And even at that point, I guess it's not even a certainty. Your roster is not your roster at any given point. No player is safe anymore from your number one quarterback to your number one receiver, unless you are Nick Saban himself, maybe, um, you know, maybe Lincoln Riley, but even he has had transfers this season and they are double digits below the scholarship floor right now, which is just absolutely crazy considering he's been there for quite some time, but there's nothing you can do. There is nothing that could have been done from at least the details that have come out about Tyler Harrell. Um, obviously all signs point to him going to Alabama. Um, so let me, add, let's open it up here and start with how, obviously this is a big loss for Louisville. I'm not going to sit here and act like there's anything that can be done to, you know, kind of, uh, the the to kind of soften the blow of the move i think harold was going to be the number one receiver was going to have a breakout year i think he's a guy that could have had a thousand yards um you know really could have taken a step and been drafted uh in the first couple of rounds because of that speed and now it's tyler hudson it's d wiggins it's amari huggins bruce and not much else so how does this impact uvel's offense the most fence from from what you've seen and what you expected harold to be well, I mean, it's first off, it's like Coach Sat said on the podcast, you, you have to recruit your own players just as hard as you have to recruit actual recruits now. You know, he, he laid it out. I mean, oddly enough for us, just a couple weeks beforehand. And this loss for us, I think, is huge. That's, that's Malik's number one target. It's going to be hard to fill that role. But young guys and guys that have been there for a number of years now are just going to have to step up and now there's a lot of question marks going into the season on this room and what we saw in the spring game what Matt and I saw at different practices and stuff like I mean you can almost throw that stuff I'm not going to say throw it out of the out the window but I mean you kind of can you kind of can because I mean and Matt here jump in of course with this but you're going to now have to shift guys around the guys weren't are not likely going to line up where they were participating because uh, Matt, right. you've written about depth charts. Tyler Hudson and D. Wiggins were probably going to play the same position. At, at least um, it looked like that. And now that's kind of you know you kind of got to uh, figure out: do you put your best receivers out on the field, or or what do you do? Yeah, the way the way that it was shaping out is that you were going to have you know Tyler Harrell to be that uh, wide receiver that not exclusively runs like the in deep or intermediate parts of the field, but someone who can kind of take the top off the secondary while. Um, other receivers kind of, you know, go underneath. And now you kind of have to shuffle things around because, and you might have to alter the scheme a little bit because as we all know, there's only so many people who can run that fast. I mean, it was all, it was an unofficial time, but he was clocked at a 4.19 40 yard dash time at the, 
the uh, pro event from not this past um, pro day, but the last pro day. I mean, I mean, that's not that's not exactly something you find fairly often. So now there's not only going to be some movement on the depth chart. I mean, that's obviously going to happen, but you kind of have to alter the scheme a little bit because now you don't have that near guaranteed uh, that there's going to be someone that takes the top off the safety because not every safety is going to have that uh, sub four two speed. Now there's going to be a, a few guys who do maybe have that capability. I know Amari Huggins Bruce, showed flashes that he can, he can really get the wheels going. He's got some real run after catch uh, capabilities. Uh, Tyler Hudson, he's, he maybe isn't a speed threat, but from the two or three practices I was able to see in person and watch him, he looks phenomenal, but yeah, he looks of course, good. I mean, I mean it's, it, but it is just practice. The games, game speeds are completely different. I mean, I, I really I, thought shy words was going to be a lot better than he was. And he yeah. was, I yeah, will say I, I, I saw so. I don't I don't remember the exact kind of situation, but in the, the situational scrimmage, they did run some kind of like pitch to Hud to Huddy out wide and it, he got blown up in the backfield and it was like Jesus, he like in quick like in quicksand, he he looks slow. Uh obviously that's not what he's gonna do in the season, and it could have just been the play wasn't for him. But I I noticed that and I was like, all right, let's not have him in that spot again. Cause he he doesn't look like he can kind of be that slot guy, you know, speed wise from that from the, but is more of kind of like a possession guy, like but, a Jamari Staples. What, what right. I kind of noticed is, like, in space, he makes these longer kind of steps and cuts and stuff like that. You guys will see it whenever it comes game time and everything, but it seems like he needs some distance or some space uh, almost uh, probably like five, about five yards or so to make a move on a guy. Uh, he has some decent speed. Does he have tutu speed? No. Does he have Tyler speed? No. But, I mean, the speed's there, yeah. just kind of unfortunate. They're not going to show anything in the spring game to wear. Right, exactly, no. right. Especially if my eyes saw it, they're way ahead of that. They, they've been, they've been no, as some would say. But no, Clemson's but like you've seen it eight times now. Right. When you look at, when you look at the, the big three for Louisville right now, I think it kind of um, can, can be drawn in terms of similarities to 2019 and the fact that you're going to have a blazing speed guy in the slot with Amari Huggins-Bruce. Um, he's not, at least not that I've seen Tutu yet. Maybe he will. Maybe he will have that kind of a thousand yard breakout season like Tutu did um, in 19. But then out and one of the the wide spots you'll have Tyler, who's kind of going to be your possession guy, going to be really counted on to make big plays at the sticks, third down kind of guy. And then you'll have um, your your D Wiggins, who will kind of be your Seth Dawkins esque guy, the bigger guy um, who can you know make big plays, go up and get um, you know kind of have a mismatch against smaller corners. Uh, and so I think, do we all think they can have success with that? I don't think by any means that they're down and out without Tyler Harrell. I just think more than anything, it magnifies the questions that you have about Braden Smith, some of the other guys that aren't here yet, what their roles look like, whether they'll be you know, able to see the field, things like that. Um, where before when you have Tyler Harrell, it's like, oh, all that stuff can be secondary because it's in the background. You got your guys, you got four really primary wide receivers. Now you're down to three. Uh, Braden Smith comes back. That kind of gets you, you know, the four, the four number that you need to get back to. But uh, that's assuming that happens. So, I mean, are, are we set with wide receiver? Or do you think there's now a need from the portal? I think there is, but there, there's also like a couple other positions of need. I think they're probably done looking at the secondary with the most re two most recent pickups they just had. Um, another area that they probably could look at is a uh, defensive tackle, maybe because you, you've got um, Des Tell and Caleb Banks probably going to split reps mainly at D tackle. I mean, nothing against those two. I actually just wrote a piece about Caleb Banks today that I'm posting out tomorrow. Look for that. Um, but that's, I, I know Vince, sorry, but like, that that's also a position where you might want to add through the portal. But now that you're losing a huge threat at wide receiver, that might be something you want to look forward to. But I think wide receiver is probably third, maybe second on the list of like biggest needs through the portal. And that's because unless they lose another wide receiver, but, and that is because we know that Satterfield likes to run the ball. He likes to run the ball a lot. Right. And he uses the run, the inside outside zones to kind of set up, the past, especially on play action, this running back room for Louisville is stacked. I mean, you've got Tyon Evans, you've got uh, Travion Cooley, Jalen Mitchell, Jawar Jordan looked good in the bowl game. And we, we can try and guess who's going to be the starter. I think it might be Tyon Evans. Cause that dude is a monster, but like you could, you could say it could be Cooley cause he looked really good in the spring before he got hurt. And then Jalen Mitchell, he was the MVP of the spring game. And when you have that many options at running back and to be able to truly sub guys in and out, in and out, in and out, and not have like a giant 
drop off in talent. I don't think it impacts the passing game as much because when the defense has to take into account the weapons you have in the backfield, those wide receivers are going to be no matter. It could be could be me out there lining out wide. Well, it's a little bit of exaggeration. It could be me <laughs> lining out wide or, could be Jerry, or yeah, I know, or it could be Jerry Rice. They're still going to they're going to be the same amount of openness for lack of a better word because of the amount of people that the amount of weapons that Louisville has at running back. Yeah, I definitely don't disagree. And what, let me give a shout out to the number seven because Louisville's got two badass dudes in number seven this year, Tyon Evans and Monty Montgomery. I don't think you've ever seen a better pair of sevens uh, than those two guys. So I'm looking forward to that. But uh, I think that at the wide receiver, you know, obviously you want to get Braden Smith healthy. You, you know, you want to hope that the legal issues resolve themselves and that he's able to get back out on the field and be able to play, assuming that all that stuff is good to go. Um, but if not, I think there is a need to look at wide receiver because of the fact that you are missing one really crucial part. Now you do make that up with, with Amari Huggins, Bruce, but speed is the thing you're missing there. So if you can find a guy in the portal um, late in the game, maybe who transfers, who is looking for a bigger opportunity, whether it be from a smaller school or whatever the case is, who has this, the, the kind of fit that you're looking for that has the character fit that you're looking for and can bring that speed Louisville will desperately still need that next season in order to kind of get back to where they were um, as an offense and, and bring it full circle from not just being really, really good with speed and, and some years and then not having possession guys, but being able to have a little bit of everything to complement around Malik. Um, what about the situation with Bama, man? Because this just feels kind of like it feels like humbling to be like Lord Saban has uh, bestowed his kindness to steal one of our players it feels like you're like oh we're not worthy of lord Saban, but oh my god he wants one of ours like and it's also kind of this conversation stopper of the the satterfield doesn't know talent because obviously tyler harrell can play and other people see it but at the same time like it is so frustrating that Saban can just be like "Mm, i want i want that guy i I want him go get him uh because not just harrell the week before the starting left tackle from Vanderbilt transfers and goes to, to Alabama. Alabama's added uh, uh, Gibbs from Jameer Gibbs, I think is his first name, from Georgia yep. Tech. Like Saban can get whoever he wants. And what he's doing right now is he's going and he's looking at his roster and he's like, okay, I got six receivers. They're fast, but I need somebody faster. Okay, who can I get that's fast? Oh, there's a guy that ran a 4-1. Where's he playing? Louisville? Let's go get him. Uh, and that's what it feels like. And it's frustrating because – it's the it's the lay of the like the lay of the land, right? It's just the way that it goes in college football. You can just tamper it and get away with it, you know, because it's nil, you know, like this is everything that people who didn't support nil were afraid of. But at the same time, though, man, for Harold, you just hope he doesn't go down to Alabama and get lost in the shuffle. That's my one thing for him. I'm super happy for this guy because realistically, if we're all being honest with ourselves, if we got the opportunity to go play for Alabama football, we'd throw the deuces up to Louisville and say, see you later. Oh, oh yeah. In a heartbeat. <laughs> Vince knows. I mean, Vince is yeah. the only one around here that got the call from Saban prior. He turned him down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, how about how about Louisville having Juwan pass turn down crawl and turn down Saban in his office so that Saban could come back and say F you to Louisville and steal Tyler Harrell, dude. <laughs> That's what this is about. It's a it's all personal circle. <laughs> it's, all, it's all personal yeah. over just Puma pass telling him no. Uh, but no, I do, I do think this is a big deal for Louisville, obviously. And um, I, I'm interested to see, you know, once everything kind of is official, Harold settles at what we assume will be Alabama. I'm interested to see what Satterfield will have to say about it. It's kind of flattering, but it sucks at the same time. And now you're right back in the same boat you were in last year. And by that, I mean, who's the number one wide receiver? I don't know. We don't know. Marshawn Ford? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, literally the same position <laughs> as last year, but it's, I, th- I think we're in a better position, like Matt said, with the running back room. And yeah. we all feel extremely confident with our offensive line. And, you know, I I think uh, maybe this tight end room beefs up a little bit, steps up in the run game. I mean, you, you guys got to think we were in two tight end sets last year and we did have success running football in two tight end sets. Well, Tutu was that other inside slot receiver. There's no reason that can't be Amari Huggins-Bruce right there. And we can run squeeze sets, two tight end stuff. And, you know, we can get people to overcommit on this run game so that we can hit them in this deep play action with crossing routes and things like that. So it it could play into our favor. Do I think we need to get another receiver? Yes. Uh, do I know who that is? No. <laughs> I, I bet you couldn't name one player in the portal right now, could you? You couldn't name one player. Uh, 
at one point that, in time, I had to check the portal every day. That place is, just, is forever growing. There, w- there was a, a, a receiver for UCF either yeah. in today or yesterday. Yeah. Jalen Robinson, man. He, I'm yep, pretty him. sure he He's, let he had 183 yards or something in week two against Louisville, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, I mean – and I, I heard he's fast. I mean, hey, what's yeah? What's I up, saw man? he's fast. <laughs> yeah, right. You did see he's fast. But real quick, we're gonna we're gonna step aside here and take a break and come back and we're gonna jump into a segment that we have had a lot of time off from. Um, excited to get back into that. But one last thing here, just a, a special note here, a, literally a special note, Vince. We're 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 putting our notes in the sheet about the offense and questions we want to ask, and Vince just. Being a football guy, just special teams coach, question mark. <laughs> uh, so the question is, though, that's a it's a very valid question. And it, this is a conversation that we don't need to spend a ton of time on. But that's a position where we don't know who's coaching that. We don't know. Uh, I don't I, you'll have to pr- help me with the pronunciation of the coach's name that just left for coach Maz. Just call him Coach Maz. Uh, coach Mazlowski was his last Mazlowski's his last name. We all just called him Maz. So. OK. And by, he was a stud linebacker at WKU back in the day, national champion. Okay, very cool. Um, that's a fun fact. I don't know quite what oh, to do with that. Even more Maybe fun, he played quarterback in Australia. For what? Is there a football league there? Yeah, yeah. he was the, like the head coach and quarterback. Yeah. This... Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, whoa. hold on. What? Oh, yeah. whoa, what? Oh, what? Yeah. He was a yeah. player coach? Yeah, he was like a, either head coach owner? or OC player Jackie Moon? in Australia. Yeah, it was awesome. He this told us that, his whole story and everything. That is yeah. – that is really, I'm really happy for him. He couldn't, you know, he's one of the hardest workers in the building and it takes a lot to just be dedicated to special teams. And then, you know, finally get that promotion to the position that you played as a college player. I, I, I couldn't be happier for him. So yeah, that's right. But the thing being now is Louisville needs a special teams coach. Coach Holt obviously left for Virginia tech. Uh, it seemed like coach Maz was going to kind of fill in there unofficially as kind of the, de- maybe the de facto special teams guy. There is no coordinator. There is no quality control guy. Who's coaching special teams? I can do it. I can't bend my leg very far. I can't. I'm not, not very flexible to punt, but I sure can try. I just think it's wild. It's it's going to be – Sat said it's going to be debbied up between all these coaches and everything, and, I mean, not everybody's main focus is going to be on special teams, so I, I hope our special teams doesn't take a hit this coming up season. Well, I mean, you special know, teams is a huge part of the game. Everybody jokes on it, and I know we right. all joke on it, but, I mean – yeah, special teams is definitely going to be something that is not talked about enough compared to the role that it will have in 2022. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break here. Come back. We're going to jump into our, our segment that uh, we started right at the end of the season. Um, it's been a little bit, so we might just need to kind of introduce it again, Hero of the Week. We'll step aside real quick. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Does this ever happen to you? Do you ever get sick of listening to the same old sports radio, Mount Rushmore this, Hot Seat that, the same rehashed old musty takes you've been hearing for years? Does it send you into a fit of rage causing you to lose control of the steering wheel, crashing into a vehicle leading to you being late to a big meeting at work which leads to your ultimate firing and downward spiral of your life? Does this ever happen to you? Don't send your life into a downward spiral. Do what thousands of others are already doing, listening to the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Louisville football, basketball, women's basketball, baseball, Louisville City and racing Louisville soccer, Louisville culture, and so much more. State of Louisville Podcast Network and stateoflouisville.com. Real fans' opinions for real fans like you. All right, so we keep it rolling along here on From the Pink Seats Podcast. Hey, if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do that. From the Pink Seats Podcast, anywhere you get your shows from. Be sure to check out the Louisville Report. Matt, give them that URL real quick. SI.com slash college slash Louisville. Simple there enough. you go. There it is. That's the Louisville Report. Matt uh, has a ton of great stuff over there. He teased it a little bit ago. He's got a piece coming out on the one and only Caleb Banks, which I said at the spring game, seeing Caleb Banks in person is an experience. Let's give out our hero of the week. This is a, an award that goes to the the person that around the Louisville football program who did something to stand out. Uh, and this is an award uh, that we're kind of giving more in retrospect than we are for any kind of current achievement in the last few days. Uh, Louisville football recruiting is it's on the up and up that that is there's no denying that uh in fact they continue to land four star after four star after four star after four star to the tune of making california their home right you talk about Mm -hmm. uh, the connection to california comes from one man and one man only right there's not any other coaches out here that have been out in the in the places of california putting on that sacred la kiss jersey looking into the camera (laughs) and singing party in the uh, usa 
There's no one that did that quite like our hero this week. Currently, nine commits are on the books for Louisville football in 2023 class. In the 2023 class, they are the seventh best recruiting class overall in the country at this point. Of those commits, Aaron Williams, four-star, California. Pierce Clarkson, four-star, California. Jaleel McLean, four-star, California. It's incredible to see what Louisville has done. That's not it. Jamari Johnson, California. Right now, Louisville has almost a half of a class that is from a state that is on the other side of the freaking United States. Ladies and gentlemen, our hero, we are not worthy of his recruiting prowess at this point, Pete Thomas. Pete Thomas, congratulations, your first ever Hero of the Week award. Look, Jimbo Fisher, we see you, but you're not Cali Pete, man. No one has anything on Cali Pete. The 12th man, I understand Texas A&M seems like a cool place. They don't have Cali Pete. I don't think they have anything comparable to Cali Pete. So we see the worry. We understand from fans. They see the tweet that Texas A&M is offered. Pierce is posting it on his Instagram, on his Facebook. But there's no reason to worry because you know what those other schools do not have, fellas? They don't have California Pete. <laughs> California Pete, congratulations on Hero of and, the Week. And, and and I do want to say something about that Pierce Clarkson Texas A&M offer. And it, it, it wasn't so much of a surprise to see – other schools interested in them. I mean, when you've got a prospect who's ranked in the top 150, I mean, don't you want other schools kind of interested? Because if no one else is like even remotely trying to recruit him, you, you should probably be a little bit concerned. And then I saw people freaking out over this tweet, like, like they haven't seen literally every other prospect in every other sport tweet out every single offer they have ever gotten with like the exception of baseball, because there's some sort of weird like thing about baseball players out of high school closing their offers. I'm not entirely sure what that's all about, but anyways, it, and it's not like Pierce Clarkson was like, wow. Oh my gosh. It's my dream school. Texas A&M. Oh my God. I'm so honored to have a, an offer from the Aggies. No, that I mean, sound? <laughs> that, what I, is I, that, man? <laughs> I, I, I don't know where that that came from. Just roll with it. <laughs> but it, it, it's all you said was all glory to God. Texas A&M offered no exclamation point. Yeah, it's like a, it's like Dwight. It is your birthday. Like he just stated a fact. Te- Texas A&M offered yeah. no excitement. I mean, if anything, you're acknowledging it, it's a common courtesy to people who reach out to you like, hey, thanks for the offer. I appreciate it. It's almost like saying thanks, but no thanks in a way. But people are like, I saw some people on Twitter like, no, this is weird. If someone who's just locked in him is him. Why should she be between this? I mean, if I got an offer to text in him, hell yeah, I'd post about it. You don't want to burn any bridges. Like, exactly. You, you don't, you never know where you're going to end up in your professional career or even in Pierce Clarkson's scenario in three years. The transfer portal is a thing now. Like, yeah. if he comes here and him and Caleb get in a battle and Caleb beats him out, who knows what Pierce is going to do? And vice versa with Pierce beating Caleb out. So, th- things like that, obviously, you're going to just post the offer. It, it's showing respect to Texas A&M, showing respect to Jimbo, and it just it just looks better. You, you never want to make yourself look like a bad person or like you just don't care or like recruiting is a reality TV show. Yeah, but if Texas, if UTSA offers him a scholarship tomorrow, I don't think he's posting that. Exactly. Let's keep it real. Yeah. So it is kind of like a, like, you know, it is kind of a, I'm a high school recruit doing high school recruit things. And, you know, they obviously love the the attention and and kind of the the eyes that they get on posts like that, which, you know, whatever, they're about to get a ton of Texas A&M followers. It only kind of, you know, drives up his value in terms of social media following, things like that. But I will say, and I told you all both this a couple of days ago when we were talking about this, about taking it easy on Louisville fans who are a little worried. I think that it's fair for a Louisville fan to be worried about their quarterback decommitting because of what's happened in the past where they have been scorned by quarterbacks who don't end up staying committed after being, I mean, all in double toes or double feet, 10 toes, you know, an ankle and an Achilles in there. They, they then all of a sudden they're, they're out, they dipped. And then Louisville's left with, you know, well, can we even get a quarterback? So I understand the concern there, but I also get where you guys are coming from. Look, I, I had to wake up to 
angry, very pissed off Frank Potts after that after Chubba Purdy had just called at like six o'clock in the morning saying, Hey, I'm gonna go to Florida State before the public knew. And I'm not stressing. We should be all right. I think we'll be fine. Just relax. Well, let's hope no more calls from Frank Ponce at 6 a.m. in the morning for you. Hold on. I got to hear the full story out of this. Like, there's got to be more to it. It was just a pit. It was a news just pissed. He's, I used to, he's calling me all the time. Vincent, Vincent. He's decommitted. No, 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 no. What the fuck? He used to call me Coco Loco. Hey, you know what that means? You know what that means? Um, it's it's just it's a worry always in the back of Louisville's mind, just like with Louisville basketball, where you've seen guys, Sebastian Telfair, Dante Smith, Amir Johnson, Jeremy Tyler. I mean, the list goes on and on. Anthony Simons of guys who have committed uh, Chase Grubb, like literally the list is endless of basketball players who have not signed and gone pro. And for Louisville football, the equivalent has kind of been quarterbacks all in recruiting on Twitter following this kind of game plan and then Florida state comes Alabama comes somebody comes at the end and they, they drop, you know, whatever they got to do to get the player to commit and, and Louisville's left out hanging in the cold, looking like the loser who couldn't hold on to their, you know, to their girlfriend or whatever they got, you know, kind of got their girl Jack. So I don't know if I want to be in that boat again. And so I understand why fans are a little stressed. Look, look at say like Jaden Johnson, right? Jaden yes. Johnson wasn't getting recruited by anybody else. Okay, that makes more sense. That's why he'd be all in. Did, but, yeah, that's why he's all in. And then guess what? We have a new head coach that comes in. Hmm. I wonder what happened there. Was an offer pulled or did he just decommit because he wasn't going to fit the scheme? You know? And I, Yeah. I mean, I think I, I think you're we, we're picking up what you're putting down there. Um, yeah. I, I totally get it. There were several players in that class that had no business being committed to Louisville. But at the same time, my point being is that and and obviously fans are not privy to information like that in real time. So obviously none of us know that Jaden Johnson doesn't have real offers or whatever the case is. And so he looks like he's the guy. He's the next great quarterback for Louisville. And then he's gone, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah, you're you're so, never thinking about it. Yeah, you're only as good as your your signed or committed quarterbacks are. And for Louisville, we're good right now. But if you turn on the radio, 939, you listen to, you know, 790. You listen to 105.7, any of the stations, they're going to have the same conversation. And the, the, the way that they're going to always kind of prop, put the proposition is, well, there's, uh, you know, a kind of a, a need to, to watch until they're signed. Like, we just need to be prepared that they may decommit, that that's always in the back of what if that happens. And so it's not crazy for little fans to kind of draw the connections there. But speaking of recruiting, let's quickly talk about recruiting and then we'll get we'll get out of here with spring football. Just kind of um, putting, like I said, the bow on that. But uh, since we've last talked, Louisville has picked up, I, I believe, three commits. I, I mentioned all three of them before being uh, California guys. So you have Aaron Williams, who is uh, a top 130 player. He's a four star cornerback. I ever since the Legion of Boom, when you had Brandon Browner and Earl Thomas or uh, excuse me, R- uh, Richard Sherman, I'm obsessed with tall cornerbacks. Give me six, two, six, three cornerbacks all day long. Aaron Williams is six, two, 185. That's size to play college football right now. Is it not? Oh, yeah. It's a junior no, it high is. school uh, offers from every program that you can imagine. Um, the 14th uh, best cornerback in the class, the eighth best player in the state of California. Um, and then you have, um, uh, let me go back down here, scroll my list, Jamari Johnson, who uh, is from Inglewood, California. He's an athlete, six foot five, 250. Another guy who could probably play tight end in college football right now. Um, a, a number of different offers. He's a low three star guy, ranked 582, the 52nd best athlete and the 38th best player in the play. And then I believe the third commitment there is Jaleel McClain, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it was Jaleel McClain. Yeah, yeah, so another athlete out of Louisville. What position is Jaleel McClain? Is he wide receiver? Is that, He's wide receiver. Athlete. Okay, so you got him. He's 5'10", 180, uh, top 320 uh, guy, 314th nationally. He's the 23rd best athlete in the country and then the 23rd best player from California. So you're talking about this isn't – some Joe Schmo. These are three guys who could be potential day one starters for Louisville football stepping on the field in 2023. Right. And, and I couldn't be more glad to see Louisville trying to focus on one area and really trying to, you know, grab players from like one of the more fertile recruiting grounds in the nation. Because, I mean, anyone who even knows any sort of information about recruiting knows that there are four spots that you really want to try to pull recruits from and pop quiz. Can you guys name those four spots? 
Georgia, Mississippi, uh, Florida. Georgia, Florida, Texas, Southern California. Those are usually the four, the the four most for now. You you can have some guys like some Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, like guys in the deep south. There's those those you'll find like a fair amount of like high quality prospects, but like the bulk of them are from like those four spots. Like those have like triple digit, like top thousand guys year in and year out. So and, and it's kind of like what Charlie Strong was doing when he was the head coach, being a Florida guy, he was pulling a whole bunch of guys from Florida. He had a well-established pipeline to the state of Florida. And for a while, it looked like Satterfield might try and do that to, to the state of Georgia, which by all means, they're, they are still pulling guys from uh, uh, from Georgia. They've got Martel Heights. They've got Jaden Davis. I think those are the only two guys committed to Georgia right now. But they're really starting to put a large focus on the relationships they have out in Southern California. And then as we've seen, it's already paying huge dividends and they're in the, in the mix for several other guys, like close to, I wouldn't be shocked if this class had close to 10 guys from the state of California committed. Well, they might not be four stars, but there's, there's guys like, you know, uh, other than St. John Bosco kids, matter day servite, there's a lot of other kids that maybe Louisville hasn't gotten completely involved yet, but later on down the line, they could become available. Um, and so Matt, you kind of mentioned in the beginning of the show, it's a big recruiting weekend. Um, I think it's like the second weekend of June. They've got guys like Madden Sanker, the five-star offensive lineman coming in. Um, I think his name is Javian Simpkins. Is that, I think Javin, I Javin yeah, Simpkins, yeah. Running back out of uh, Florida, I believe. Um, yep, and then they've, they've got some other guys that are coming in um, to, to visit that are four-star guys. And then they've got a number of these commitments that are in place here uh, for me. And, and I, uh, before I say this out loud, I'm just going to double check my class uh, before I say this, because there's a guy that I want Louisville to really prioritize. Um, and I know the California thing is kind of the trend of where we're at for Louisville right now. And this, this might hurt you a little bit, Vince, uh, because he plays for your arch rival, but, my God, I would love to get Louisville to get Mike, Micah Carter in here, the St. Yes. X defensive lineman. Yes. He's trending uh, to Kentucky right now, but my God, he's he's a big guy. He's 6'6", six, 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 260 pounds already as a senior in high school. He's uh, 419th best player in the country. Um, I think he's in that list of guys that will either be here on that weekend or uh, he's, he's visiting at some point in between then. Um, so, I mean, th- th- there's just a number of guys that Louisville can add to this point. It's all kosher at this point. Like this class, if they added nothing but three stars from here on out, I mean, Louisville fans would be pleased, but we're likely looking at potentially a five-star, uh, Deandre Morris out there. If I'm not mistaken, the five-star wide receiver, mm-hmm. there's a couple of other guys that are really, really high rated five, four, five-star guys that Pierce Clarkson has been kind of hollering out, um, and trying to get on campus. So. I mean, dude, this is where things are going to get really fun. And what a time to have a podcast covering Louisville football, man. I mean, I know we've done our, our two years of what feels like hell to get to this point. But damn it, man, there might be a five-star that commits while this podcast is in <laughs> full motion. And that just feels good to say because as we you know, pointed out to Eric Wood, Peanut Whitehead is the last five-star to commit to Louisville. It feels like that was 40 years ago. I mean, you know, it's crazy. So um, what about you guys? What, what do you think uh, in terms of where you'd like to see them add, whether it be a specific name, position? Uh, what, what are you all thinking in terms of just the 23 class right now? I, I definitely want to go. Uh, I want to get Madden. I want to get I want to get those O-line guys. I mean, after Caleb and there's going to be some rotations of the offensive line coming soon. I mean, Trevor Reed, I don't know how much more time he has. Caleb this Chandler, be, like yeah. I mentioned, is All the last on his last ride. Yeah, yep. so mm-hmm. we're, we're going to need help there. Not, I'm not saying the help isn't already there. I mean, Michael Gonzalez was phenomenal. I'm very excited for Luke Kandra. Uh, Austin Collins is still there. You know, I, I think the guys are there, but I still want to – you know, you can get a five-star offensive lineman. That's huge. Yeah, I, I mean, would – don't think they've ever had one. <laughs> I would like to see Louisville try and get re not to say they're not involved, but really try and make a push for Jay Sean Foster Ramos. But it, it, it looks like at this point, he's probably going to commit to somewhere on the West coast. I mean, he's been really tweeting a lot about USC. So I, I think I don't want to say the ship has sailed on him, but considering how much Louisville needs secondary help, having him join the class on top of joining Aaron Williams would be phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, they definitely do need secondary help, although they've added nine 
Yes, nine secondary players in the class of 2022 already this year. Um, and they've got several more committed in 2023 cornerback safeties. I mean, they're going to end up having a team full of defensive backs. Like you need a quarterback, just go get one of the defensive backs. You need a linebacker, just move them up to, to from the defensive back room. I mean, they're going to have too many guys to play that position uh, to the point we're going to probably see like a mass exodus over the next two years of guys who just don't, you know, they just can't find their place. I, I'm anxious to see. I mean, Ben Perry made that transition down to that uh, card position, I believe is what they yeah. call it. Yep. And, uh, I mean, you never know. Some of those bigger corners, 6'2", whatever, 6'3", you can put some weight on that guy. Or Rajay Burns was a former corner. Safety yep. transitioned over to that position. Yeah. I mean, I believe the only linebacker in school history to return punts. That's right. They're probably the only linebacker yep. in college football history to return punts. I would be almost willing to bet that out. If, like, if you excluded like the 1800s, uh, the late 1800s and early like 1900s, I guarantee you that no linebacker has returned punts in the history of modern college football. Maybe Coach like Holt. Paul Horning if he was playing both you. ways. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I need to get Coach Holt on the show so I can just grill him to death over why he picked a linebacker back there. Um, all right, let's let's quickly wrap up the show here. We're going to move into spring football. Obviously, we're about a month uh, since spring football um, has ended a couple weeks. Um, feels like, you know, a ton has changed since then. Obviously, you have Harold leaving. You've got some of these recruits that have come into the fold. Um, you know, it looks like some of the position battles are kind of shaking out. Uh, number one big takeaway from spring football, Matthew, what you got? I think the wide receiver room isn't now. This is kind of predated based on what I saw. This was before like Tyler Harrell left. I don't think the wide receiver room is in as big of a dire straits as a lot of people want to think it is. Now losing Harrell does hurt, but having Amari Huggins Bruce back, Braden Smith, it seems should be like both on par to recover from his, his uh, ACL tear. And it seems like he is back with the team. He was on the sidelines for the spring game. Not sure if that's public knowledge, but well, it is now. Sorry. (laughs) I didn't do it. (laughs) Wasn't me. Wasn't me. I mean, Hey, look, people just can have, people have eyes, man. People have eyes. That's all I'll say. I know. But, but with them and then um, Tyler Hudson, he looked, phenomenal every at every practice i saw d wiggins has shown flashes in the past and plus you've got i think out of that crop of incoming freshman wideouts one of them is going to make some sort of impact in a way it, it could be chris bell it could be chance morrow it probably is going to be devon mortimer because he based on the film that i've seen he is he's a speedy guy yeah. and he he can he has a pretty good catch radius to boot too so until more more people potentially leave the program, I don't think wide receiver is as big of a concern as people think it is right now. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, I know the walk-on thing is kind of played out in spring football. Like, no offense, Vince. I know you had several spring football where people were like, wow, that guy I'm might ACL twice in spring football. I hate spring football. I was just trying to be nice. <laughs> I was like, that, people like, oh, that guy looks like he could get out on the field and play some snaps. Uh, but you did have a guy like Jalen Carter who was hurt last year. Uh, for a big chunk of the season, he had a really great spring showcase scrimmage day thing. Um, so he's a guy who even as a walk-on can give you some solid snaps, probably more than Thomas Jackson or Roscoe uh, Johnson could. I'll tell you that. Oh, man. You know. <laughs> but North- to, to, poor Thomas. <laughs> Thomas got hurt, man. Thomas could have actually been a solid, solid possession guy for us. I'm not saying take the top off. I'm not saying he's catching your precious slants and going for 60. Jacob, but I'm saying if we needed five yards on a hitch route, Thomas is going to run the prettiest hitch route. He, he was Look, that guy. Here's the thing about a slant route. I keep trying to tell you this. Like, it doesn't need to go for 60. It's good for six. Like, it's good for four. Like, Wes Welker showed people what a four-yard slant route does to an offense, okay? Like, I'm not crazy. You don't need a 60-yard slant route. The same, the same Wes Welker that, you know, was laughing at a Julian Edelman receiving punts and then eventually had his job taken and you know he yeah. had to get traded and who's won a super bowl now? he won a super bowl with the broncos and then yeah so maybe maybe it worked out for both parties there but yeah you're right but point being matt with your grumpy face this the slant route is effective because it can do a little bit of both for you some short yardage I'm, and some long yardage i mean i i'm not 
poo-pooing on the slant route, but like your unhealthy obsession with the slant route is concerning. There are other routes, Jacob. There, there are. Digs, I'm a big fan of the digs, stitches, drags, two crossing routes. Get the defenders to run into each other. That's a solid game plan, man. <laughs> that, Look, that's I'm a also a fan. Play, I'm it? also I, it's a good play. I'm also a fan of the comeback route. Now it is hard when you have a quarterback who can't throw the football very far because that that pass, man, you got to get that pass in like the far hip pocket of the receiver or else it's going to get picked off, right? Like you got to make sure it's where the receiver can get it. But if you make it work, man, that's a sexy route. You want me to give you another one, a curl curls, a good route. If you got a guy with quick feet, give him a little bit, one of these and turn around curl. I'm telling you, I, I can't run the routes because I'm not fast or quick. But I can I can I can draw them and I sure as hell can talk about them. Okay, watching uh, you try and run the routes in your chair is amusing. <laughs> just like a little look, bit. Look, back on topic. What I saw in the spring, in during spring practice, at least I was I was able to go for that alumni event. Yeah. That they were they were so gracious to have. I don't. They give you, they give you a knee brace before you walked out on the field just to protect themselves. No, I did walk in the training room and go, "I'm ready for rehab." <laughs> they got a kick out of that. <laughs> but uh, what I saw was just how comfortable the defense was. Right, whenever I was around during the spring uh, of last year, and you even saw it a lot during the season, there was a lot of miscommunications, uh, guys being a little, just a tick slow. Uh, things like that, and everything seemed really polished up from uh, young guys. Like, I'm really high on Ben Perry. I was not high on that move down there to that position, yeah. moving him from his natural spot. You guys know that. But watching him in that practice, which, you know, they obviously showed a little bit more of opposed to what they were going to show on a nationally televised spring game, like, like, he looked good. He was flying around, and guys are just talking out there, and everything just was moving a, much faster than what it was last year. And that's without Monty. That's without Control Clark. You know, I, I, I'm i very excited to see what uh, Brian Brown does with the defense this year with uh, guys that have been in, in the system for two, three years now. Yeah, uh, for me, I, I thought, you know, there wasn't really anything that kind of popped. Like there was, you know, there were some good plays here and there. You know, I, I watched some of the drills and, and really like felt impressed with what I saw from guys like Caleb Johnson. Obviously, I talked a little bit about Caleb Banks and the fact that I, I was sitting next to Keith Wynn and Keith is like literally about to just like jump out of his seat to the to the uh, to the field because he's so excited that Caleb is running with the ones and the twos. He's the only player on the field doing that. Um, so you got to see some of the intricacies. But for me, and I, I talked a little bit about this with Coach Cardwell after we got off of the podcast a couple of weeks ago, but it was a play late in this, in the scrimmage. It was a, um, it was a, you know, some kind of goal line play. I don't, I don't remember how exactly how far back they were, maybe on the 10, 12 yard line. Um, and Malik throws a dime. I'm talking a throw that I have not ever seen him make before where he hits a corner or he hits a wide receiver on a back shoulder, like fade to the back of the end zone. And this isn't just a five yard toss the ball up and let your receiver go get it. This is a ball that has to go uh, only where your receiver can get it. And the way that Malik chose to do so was to go high with it. Uh, and the receiver, which I still don't remember. I think they I think coach Carvel said it was Huddy, but the receiver made a perfect play on the football. Malik threw the perfect ball. And it was just one of those plays that like in a game, that's the throw where we're talking about. This is a different Malik Cunningham. This isn't the same guy who is looking to run. He's looking to make the right throw. He's standing in the pocket. And if I remember correctly, he did have to kind of stand and wait for that to kind of come available. And he just, it was just a perfect throw. And when you saw it, you were just like, man, that right there is got the potential to really, really, really be impactful for Louisville. If he's making throws like that. Put put yourself in Malik Cunningham's shoes for a second. I mean, it's not 2019, so you're not learning a new offense, nor are you competing with Puma Pass for the starting job, or you, nor are you coming off injury yeah. with the with the knee brace for fall camp or anything like that. You know, 2020, you got COVID, that whole everything going on with that. 2021, you know, he finally gets to have a really good, consistent year like he did in 19. And now there's just not much more for him to work on except these very specific things. Like, I'm sure Malik has thrown 150,000 of those back shoulder passes by now This just in this offseason. So it's, it's just really cool, and it's going to be fun to see how he progresses as a quarterback because that's just stuff he hadn't done in years past. 
All right. Look, it's, it's spring football is over, but there's still a lot of stuff that's going to happen over the next month or so. The transfer portal is going to be popping. Louisville is going to need some guys to come in next year. Um, obviously, we'll get a, a look at what 2023's class is going to continue to look like. Uh, but more, we're going to see, you know, things like NIL. We're going to see, you know, events, just different things popping up with the Louisville football team and guys. Obviously, we've seen the tweets about Monty and, and Brock Doman having a camp. So a lot of interesting things that are going to take place. And we're hopefully going to be in, in the, the middle of all of it this offseason, bringing you the best coverage we can with Louisville football. Uh, as I said, please give us a, a follow on Twitter at Pink Seats Pod on uh um, on Twitter at Pink Seeds Pod at M- Matt underscore McGavick. I am struggling here. At Matt underscore McGavick at Vincent Lacoco at Jacob Lane zero eight. Uh, the Louisville Report of Sports Illustrated, stateofLouisville.com. And be sure to check out all the podcasts on the State of Louisville Podcast Network, including the recently relaunched Third and Central Baseball Podcast with Matt Sivkovic and Aaron Turner, the new guys there, uh, holding it down and hopefully going to bring uh, a World Series championship home with them. That's what I'm hoping this year is that we're going to get the podcast going in relation that there's going to be a World Series championship that comes home and we can say, hey, we we did that. We did that. Yeah. Just can't <laughs> wait to hear Cool Matt's voice. Yeah, that's right. Cool okay. Matt. Oh, oh hold, cool hold, 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 hold on now. <laughs> now you got him. Now you got him. All right, guys, we will catch you all next week. Until then, go Cards. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.